3: This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writingexcuses. Season 12, episode 24.
4: This
5: is Writing Excuses, creating great outlines. Fifteen minutes long.
6: Because you're in a hurry.
5: And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon.
6: I'm Mary. I'm Marianne.
5: And I'm Wesley.
4: It's going to crack me <laughs> up every time. Um, all right, outlines. This is one that's uh, very in my wheelhouse, so to speak. How do we create a great outline?
3: I don't know, I, Brandon. How do you create a great outline? <laughs> well,
4: <laughs> I actually have an outline for this episode.
3: <laughs> how about that? What are the chances?
4: I like to outline so much that I send writing excuses all big outlines of things.
3: He is and, not kidding. This and, is not a joke.
4: No, the, the outline for this season is 18 pages long. Um, <laughs> So I'm just going to pitch some outlining methods I've seen at you guys and ask you if you've ever tried any of these, what your thoughts on them are. Uh, The first outlining method that I put on the outline for the outline (laughs) is what I call the Kevin J. Anderson. Uh, Now, Kevin, when I've talked to him, he's a very strict outline writer, and what he does is he starts with the pitch that he sends to a publisher, which we'll talk about writing pitches later. He takes a few paragraphs, and then he just starts expanding that. He writes a five-page version of that, and then... He writes a 20-page version of that, and then he expands
3: that to a novel. Have you ever done this? Have you ever tried anything like this? That is essentially very similar to the way I I outline, actually. Um, uh, And and one thing I want to flag right up at the front is that when we are talking about outlining in this episode, we are talking about the outline that you use as a writing tool. We are not talking about the outline that you use to sell a novel, which is a completely different animal. Um, Yeah, so I I start with that thumbnail sketch idea, which is, you know, like a paragraph of this is what the novel's about. And then I unpack that into a synopsis, which is here are some of the internal beats. And then I unpack that into, okay, this is exactly what this scene is going to look like. Now, I say exactly what the scene is going to look like. There are times when, in fact— I just have a scene like in the current project, uh, the faded Sky, I have a, a scene that is something goes wrong in space right. exclamation point, so you know you can you can you can be a little fluid, right. but by the time I get to that scene, I will have fleshed it out
4: i've heard that famously in the uh, e t outline there was a line that said, and they escape from the people chasing them, which became the famous E.T. flying from the moon scene and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the original outline, it was just that. Yes. That's
5: all you need. I mean, mm-hmm. most, action ce- most action scenes are like, and they fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. somebody is alive and somebody is dead. And,
6: and for comedy, too, right? High so drinks ensue. High yeah. drinks ensue. Romance, matrimony ensues. <laughs> That's right.
5: What is, what is the strengths, you think, of this
4: outlining method? What does it give you?
3: Well, for me, the thing that it gives me is that it's starting from a central core of this is what the novel is about. And every time I'm going into it, what I'm doing is I'm unpacking. Um, So, you know, uh, this novel is about um, a, a, a meteor hitting the earth and we are and kicking off the space race. That, that's kind of the, the core of uh, the calculating stars, the thing that I'm actually working on. And so then I unpack that. Okay. So the meteor hits the Earth. And how does that affect people? Uh, so it affects my main character because she's a rocket scientist. Okay. And how does that affect her? So the unpacking means that I'm always staying centered over the core idea Uh. And then I'm getting more detailed, but the details that I'm picking are are all supporting that that one point.
4: You know, when I've done things similar to this, it's felt like to me it also gives you a lot of chances to get the discovery writing out as you expand that outline, yes. right? So that you are you are having these chances to be creative with each expansion, um, and you might think, oh, an outline locks me into things but you're getting to change this with each revision of this draft until finally you're very comfortable with this outline and you know the
5: scenes are going to work and you can then write them. So basically you're saying you pants the outline instead of the book.
3: Yeah. Yeah. My feeling is, we've talked about this before, that discovery writing versus outlining, that it's a spectrum. And I feel like discovery writing and outlining or planning happen in every novel. They just happen at different
6: points for different writers. Unless
5: you're outlining the outline. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know.
6: So this is something I struggle with a lot as a short story writer. You know, I could hold the entire story in my head. Basically, I knew beginning, most of the middle and definitely the end. Usually before I put the, before I start typing, like I'm just work it all out first, and then it's a matter of getting it down. And I figure out some details as I go, but most of it was already there. And I can't do that in a novel. I cannot hold the whole thing in my head. And so I tried with my first novel, just writing a straightforward outline, but the problem I ran into is that... I had worked out all the interesting stuff in the outline, so when I went to write it, I got bored. And that's it, a classic
4: and, discovery writer problem. Uh, actually, I hated
6: it. I just, I mean, I, I finished, but I didn't even like the book by the end of it.
4: So. Yeah, that's classic. In fact, we—I should make the point we've made it before in writing excuses. If outlines don't work for you, don't use one. Um, we're talking about them this month, but discovery writing is perfectly acceptable. Well,
6: but I will say that. I'm not sure, because <laughs> so, the second time I tried to write a novel, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make that mm-hmm. mistake again. I'm just going to start at the beginning and go and figure it out as I went. But that led to a very murky middle, right, where I spent a long time kind of like yeah. writing scene after scene that didn't really progress. I, I think one of the things that you can do to, to,
3: to deal with this is that a lot of times I think that discovery writers who are transitioning to outline um, do too much of the outline. Mm-hmm. You know that you you don't actually need a, your a really detailed outline. It, it's this is a piece of paper that exists to remind you of where the story is going. It's it exists just to help you hold the story in your head, and you don't need all of the details written down. You just need the details that you're afraid you're going to forget. That so helps.
5: So one thing I did in my previous book that really helped me a lot was I try I used to try to outline the entire book, mm-hmm. and then every time I jump the tracks, then I'm going on a whole different route. And then I re-outline the entire book, and then that's when I get all my you know, six, seven versions of an out, of, mm-hmm. of a, you know, outlines of a, of a book. So my the the book I just handed in um, that just came out um, in October, the Rise of I/O. Instead of outlining the entire book, I outlined like thirty percent of it. So I got there, and then I kind of by that t- by that point, I veered a, a little bit off the tracks, but then. Then then I've outlined another 30%. So instead of doing the entire book, I kind of hybrid outline where I pants a little bit, outline a little bit to stay on track. And that way, I'm course correcting the entire time without having to do the entire book and get so far off track that, you know. Yeah. That sounds, yeah. Like most people will just find their
4: own method as they do this. It's going to be some hybrid. In fact, we'll talk about doing some hybrid methods later on on the podcast. But yeah. Um. Let's go ahead and do a different talk about a different type of outlining, which is one that I know, Mary, you've done. Um, this is taking some sort of structure that you, you want to try out, whether it's seven-point story structure or you know, nine-point. There's so many of them online. The hero's journey, whatever model you want to use, the React, and you're going to say, all right, I'm going to take the story that I'm thinking about and I'm going to use this to create my beats and build an outline that way. Have any of the rest of you done that ever?
6: I feel like I've, I, I think, Coming from mainstream lit, I'm so resistant to all of these. And I think I just have That's to get— That's good. I, no, no, I think no. I've got to get over it. <laughs> you know, like, I think—so one—so I wrote this story, Seven Cups of Water, that is a short story, but it has actually a very explicit structure. And, like, ev- every night these two get together, they drink another cup of water together, and stuff escalates over over time. And— as I was writing it, I kept thinking, oh, this is so artificial, this is so artificial, the reader's totally going to get irritated by that. But it is, I swear, one of my best stories and one of the most satisfying and organic-feeling stories, despite the fact that it has this very mechanical, in some sense, structure. So one of the things about people is that we we are
3: pattern-seeking creatures. We yeah. We like structure. This is one of the reasons that, you know— for I, I am not a parent but those of the other three podcasters know this that one of the things that makes kids act out most is not having consistent structure at home mm-hmm. that that rules that change and we we like it when we understand how things go it's very comforting and one of the things that that can give you we talk about a lot the familiar and the strange if you have a familiar structure and you're you're marrying it with something that's odd then it that's when when you can relish the oddity without having to be like, where is this going?
4: Yeah, and I've, when I've done this before and when I've looked at people doing it, it can be a great tool. Um, the thing is you have to realize no format is perfect. Yeah. Um, these are usually tools we use as diagnostic tools. My story is broken. Maybe I can take a look at some of these these structure things. Or you're building your story and say, all right, I really should have a point like this. I should have a part like this in my story. Don't feel like you have to hit every point immediately like it says in the story structure outlines or things like this, the seven point or whatnot. But it can really teach you to start thinking about structure for your stories in a different way.
5: And and there's been times where I have an entire book finished, and I actually re-engineer an outline out of it, just so I can take a look at it and go, oh, okay, this, this is why everything felt weird, mm. because this whole portion of it is kind of dead, and it's useless, or it, there's a, a law in the plot. So, reverse engineering works really well as well. I've done that as well, too, yeah.
6: So, I have a different method. Go for it. I don't it. know if it's a method exactly, yeah. but what I'm doing right now, so I, so, George R. R. Martin famously said that he based Game of Thrones in part on the War of the Roses, right? And That he's taken actual historical incidents and used them uh, for his structure, and that's what I'm trying to do now. I've gone. I'm reading Sri Lankan history, and because my my book is essentially kind of the war in Sri Lanka is at least a big piece of it, but in space with aliens. Um, So, and I'm looking at actual incidents that happened, and just making sort of a you know a history, and then we'll be thinking about how would that play in space with oh, the aliens. that's great. I'm yeah. glad you
4: brought that up. That's like a primary way of writing science fiction and fantasy, I've found, is go look toward historical record and make this fantastic.
3: I have certainly never done that in my own novels. No,
4: no, no. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really like how you invented that without a summer thing. Yeah, yes, no, that was yes. completely
3: made up, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, but it, it's true that, that a lot of times, one of the things about looking at history is, you know, we, we say that, Uh, Those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. History goes in cycles. There there are certain things that happen as natural extension. And so when you start looking at that, of course it's going to read as organic and real because that particular historical thing has happened in various ways over and over again. So this is one of the reasons why it's such a powerful tool.
7: Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? for a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today.
4: Let's stop for our book of the week. Mary, you're going to tell us about The Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth?
3: Yes. So I picked this up, The Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by Chris Hadfield. And I picked it up as research for these astronaut books that I'm working on. And um, I was expecting a book that was straight-up memoir. And what I actually got was a book that is about space, but it's really a self-help book that's cleverly disguised as a memoir from an astronaut Chris Hadfield is this really compelling storyteller, and he's Canadian, and so he's super nice. <laughs> but he manages to package all of these stories about the time that he nearly went that he went blind in space and nearly died, as learning important life lessons. And so I'm reading this book. Like, gosh, this is a really compelling space story. Oh, oh, that's that's useful for my day to day life. And now I'm a better person for having read this story. Um, part of why I'm suggesting it this particular week is that he is very good at giving you uh, frames of reference. And and I think that that is super useful.
5: Because he's in space.
3: <laughs> because he's in space. But I think it's super useful when you're sitting down to do an outline, to have a frame of reference, and to recognize that you don't have to have particular expectations going into it. And he's just, it's a great book. You'll, you'll just love the heck I, out of it.
6: And I read it and loved it, and I will say that the main thing it did for me is it cured me of my desire to be an astronaut, (laughs) right? Like, I, you know, because I think Mm -hmm. I had had this image of the glory of it, right? And reading the book, there is so much dreary routine to the actual job, and I was like, oh, I'm glad he's the one who did that. Yeah, which (laughs) is much like writing. All
4: right, let's go into... Um, one more outlining method, which I have humbly titled The Sanderson. Oh,
3: uh, <laughs> really? do, do yeah, The Sanderson. <laughs> um,
4: so the way I do outline is I build my outline backward. Um, and I do this specifically because I want to have explosive, powerful, and interesting endings. Um, it's, it's all about the promises. And so I look for how am I going to fulfill a cool promise? Then I'll find out the promise I can use
6: to justify
4: these really awesome moments in stories. And I usually start my story with awesome moments in my head that I've been working out at the gym and been you know, going on the the elliptical, listening to epic music. I'm like, what is a scene that gets set to this music? Um, And that'll attach to, of course, I've had ideas in my head forever. I'm like, well, what's a scene with this character where they really realize who they are? Um, Build that scene. I have that scene. Now I need to justify that. In the book, so much of my writing is about justifying awesome things. The whole Stormlight Archive is about. I want people who have magical power armor and giant swords. Those are both <laughs> fairly impractical things to be doing. So let's build a a, a world where you need those things, right? Yeah. Um, so, do you, have you guys ever started
5: with an ending first? Can you uh, can that, you clarify real quick what you mean yeah. by building backwards? Like, do you have the very last scene and then like? Write the scene before that and the no, scene before that? No, no, no. Outline, I outline backwards. So what I do is I
4: start with the ending. Okay. Here is this cool ending. By ending, I'm usually not meaning denouement I'm using. Here is this really cool focused climax scene, often where a character's um, soul kind of, they, they realize what they are, overlapping them doing something really cool. Um, and then, I'll, then I will put that in my outline, and then I'll put bullet points underneath it for all the things I need to have happen in a story to justify this and work backward. And then the first bullet point becomes where I, my starting part for my first, uh, my first scene. I
3: okay. am accidentally doing that and mm. I just suddenly realized, oh, because the two novels that I'm working on right now are prequels to The Lady Astronaut yes, of Mars, of course. I have to build towards The Lady Astronaut of Mars. Yeah. And so there are times when I'm like, that would be really cool. And I can't have that thing because it takes me to a different ending. Yeah, and mm. that's
6: what we're doing right now with Tremontane because it takes place 20 years before Ellen Kushner's Swords Point. So, so it is a prequel story. Yeah.
3: And, and the thing that we did with Serial Box, which was about uh, Catherine and, and Charles II, you know, there's, there's history that we are locked into and we're like, can't. Gotta build. Gotta, <laughs> it's like, we can't have an illness here because we know that the plague is coming up in the second season.
6: And
5: you know, this, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Go, go, go ahead and
3: finish. No, no, I was
6: just going to say, this is. I am also working backwards now, which I, is new for me. I usually I start at the beginning and I write linearly. And now, and I'm realizing I mean, that... Take,
4: let's emphasize, I do write the
5: books linearly forward.
4: Right. Right. I build the outline out, yeah. Yeah. Right.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: I just realized that I'm doing the exact same thing. So, um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm writing. am co-writing cool a book with Cassandra Clare uh, for for uh, of course. on the right, Magnus of book yeah, Where yeah. he's yeah. called the Lost book of the White, and the the parameters we have for that book is you know Magnus and his boyfriend are on vacation in Europe for about a month. And in the first said, half yeah. of the fourth book of her main series, so so they're off they're off screen for the first half of the book, and then they come back in the middle of the book to kind of you know continue on to, f- to finish the book. So that's the parameter I have for this entire book I'm writing with her, is we got to... You you've told me that, that there are certain things those characters have mentioned through the rest of the series that happened on this that are requirements that you deal with. Right. So, like, the, like the other characters would make references. Of, oh, there's there's Magnus at the Eiffel Tower. There's Magnus at, you know... Wearing, a, wearing an Indian sari. There's Magnus doing all these different things. So now we have to not only put them on vacation for a month. They have to hit all these you know, five, six places. And they have to establish a relationship. And they have to come back at the end of the book completely, you know. In one piece. In one piece. Yeah.
3: So one of the funny things about this is I actually find this kind of externally imposed structure a little bit freeing because it. It eliminates a number of the choices off the table, which means like I, I like working with constrained parameters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it makes it easier to to say, well, I can I can just discard those things, which means that I'm really only looking at three choices. Which of those choices is the most interesting, as opposed to. You know, that right. w- all of these things, and which of these is going to Whoa, where am I well, going down the This f- is the strength of an
4: outline, right? Yeah. Um, uh, the lead designer of Match the Gathering, Mark Rosewater, always says, restrictions breed creativity. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't an absolute. Sometimes you just need to be able to throw out the outline. But we loved, when I was growing up, the TV show MacGyver, be- specifically because I have these three things. What can I do with them? That restriction made a more interesting show than if he had unlimited resources and just be like, Well, I'm going to make, I I have a jet plane, we'll fly there. No, you need to make a hang glider out of those, you know, those those those, garbage bags and
6: PVC pipes. This is why I like writing sonnets. (laughs) Mm. There's that structural requirement is interesting and it it pushes you in directions that you might not have gone otherwise.
4: All right. Well, we are out of time. We are going to go ahead and have. Mary, give us some homework.
3: Yes. Okay. So, we've talked about a bunch of different outline structures. What I want you to do is, I want you to take the list of events in in whatever it is that you're thinking about writing, and I want you to take a list of structures. So, seven point plot structure, the the hero's journey, all of these different things. Uh, heist. List out the the scene types, and then slot the scenes from your, your event list into the scene-type list for each of these different structures and see which of these kind of fits most organically with your story and which one kind of makes you excited and, and what opportunities they allow.
4: Excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write.
3: Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger
2: app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each, then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.